Well, good morning. Happy Advent. Um, I'm so glad to be able to start my Advent off with you all. I needed that. I, I felt like this service was a service to me. Um, singing, hearing the words about God's good grace in my life. Uh, I'm way too prone to worry. I'm way too prone to anxiousness. Uh, when I was in seminary, our seminary professor asked us to write a paper on weakness, one weakness, and uh, I called mine the Confessions of St. Anxiousine instead of Augustine, because I'm given to that. So this is a ministry to me uh, this morning. And as Russ has said, we're kicking off Advent, and we're kicking off with the songs of Advent, um, the songs that we find coming through uh, the people that had encountered this good news of God's grace. And they might not have been literally sung, but they were inspired poems and praises of God's people. And they talk about the first coming of the Lord's Christ. You heard that read, the Messiah King of God. But then also they hint at the second. We always need to remember that Advent or Christmas isn't just looking back the fact Jesus came, but it's looking forward that he's coming. Uh, that's our call to live in between those times. And we're going to look this morning at Simeon's song, this wonderful uh, elderly saint that is chosen by God to hold the Messiah, to hold the Messiah. And it is ultimately a song of comfort uh, and consolation. Um, I was thinking about a concert I went to some years back, and it was a James Taylor concert. And if you've ever heard James Taylor sing, yeah, I think we got this, we got someone here that uh, likes JT, you know, and, and J, the first JT, not the second JT, right? Uh, that's already showing you my age. Um, but, uh, you know, back in the day, his voice is still, you know, enduring so well with time. But back in the day, just the soothing baritone, right? Just this consoling baritone. And, and as I was at this concert and I heard him singing his songs and looking out of the crowd, I thought, this is nothing but just one big counseling session. You know, it's just it's sort of the world coming to him to be sort of consoled for their issues and their struggles. Well, Simeon sings a song. It's on a whole different level, though. It's not just comfort for two hours. It's comfort for eternity. It's not just comfort for those that happen to have money to buy tickets. It's comfort for those that can come without money and receive comfort and encouragement. And the reason it brings all that hope is because ultimately it isn't Simeon's song. It's the song of God's Spirit. It's the song of the Lord coming through this faithful saint, Simeon. And he sings a song, again, not only about the first advent, but the advent to come and the comfort that we need now. Earlier, Russ was alluding to that. Uh, we have plenty of reasons that we're in need of comfort this morning, don't we? And the Christian faith is the only faith that talks about real-world comfort. Other religions and spiritualities will, will take you to a place where you have to forget that you're in the world to sort of get any comfort. And lose yourself. That's not what you find in the Christian gospel. The comfort comes to you. And so let's talk about this consolation this morning. And I want to do it just through two different points, two different ideas. 
The first is, who is the consolation for? And the second is, what is the consolation about? Who is it for and what is it about? And we'll start off with this idea, who is the consolation or comfort for? It's for the righteous and it's for the longing. For the righteous and the longing. Now, if we would have had a time to read the whole passage, you would have seen that there's this theme of righteousness that runs through it. It begins with Joseph and Mary, and they have the child, Jesus, coming to the temple and to perform uh, what the law required them to do. The law said that after a woman had given birth, she had to come to the temple and to be cleansed. It also said the firstborn had to be presented to God at the temple. It also said the firstborn had to be dedicated to God at the temple. So there's all this language of law and the law being fulfilled. And then we hear the righteous and devout Simeon is the one that's called. A few verses later, it talks about his female counterpart, Anna, the prophetess who had prayed and fasted. So the whole thing is framework around this idea of the righteous and the righteous receiving comfort. And this is echoed later when Jesus comes and teaches his great beatitude teaching, where he said, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Now, many times you see that on a greeting card. It makes it sound like anybody that cry gets comforted. That's not what it's saying. Later, because the middle of the Beatitudes say, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, it's a righteous person that is mourning, that receives comfort. It's a particular kind of consolation and comfort for those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what Simeon is representing before us. Now, maybe at that point, you would think, well, if the comfort's for the righteous, that, that's, that, that takes me out. I guess I won't get any comfort this morning because I'm not very righteous. And so we have to understand what the Bible means by righteous because it's very different from what the world might say by righteousness. In the world, you get righteous by what you do. Right? One person has said that uh, all the other faiths are about providing righteousness to God. The Christian faith is about receiving righteousness from God. Right? It's a total reversal of what we're used to. And it's actually a characteristic of the righteous that they understand they're not righteous. That's the primary characteristic about the righteous. That's why Jesus tussled and had so many problems with the religious leaders of his day, those that believed they were righteous. Once Jesus came up on the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, and he looked over it and he wept. And this is what he said. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, metaphor comfort, and you were not willing you are not willing to be comforted by me. Now, we understand that, right? Sometimes uh, someone has said that man's cannot is shot through with will not. There's this part of us that, you know, when our unrighteousness is exposed, we don't want to be comforted, right? It remind, maybe, maybe it reminds us of when we were little and we're having a tantrum and mom and dad are trying to get their arms around us. We're like, no, I won't be comforted. You see, when unrighteousness is exposed, there's a couple different responses people have. One is to be mad that they got exposed, to be angry. Another one is self-loathing, where they're just always saying, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, I'm so bad. But sometimes that's just a form of pride. The reason you're saying, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, is you never really thought you could be that bad, right? 
It's only when you come to this understanding of, you know, I'm not only that bad, I could be a lot worse on my worst day. But there's a third response when righteousness is that exposed, and that is we humble ourselves. We become open at that point to being comfort, to mercy. The religious leaders are the ones, Simeon says, that will oppose the appearing of the child. Those that are righteous will oppose him in the worldly righteous way. But those that are humble, like Simeon, they will receive the child. They won't stumble, but he says this child will be for the falling of the proud. It will be for the rising of the humble. The New Testament would say, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and you will be lifted up. You will rise on up. And so what we find here are the righteous, the ones that are lowly and are lifted up. As we sang early, it's the glories of His righteousness. The glories of His righteousness that we're celebrating in the Christian gospel. So I want to say this morning, if you want to be comforted and you want to be righteous, receive the righteousness of Christ. That's the first comfort that you need. The first comfort, actually the fundamental comfort that you and I need is we need His righteousness. The Christian gospel tells us the story of God who comes. He sends His star pupil, the Messiah, to to take away our moral F's and give us His moral A's. The star pupil, the Messiah, comes and He does what we can't do for ourselves. And so we find before Him righteous, we can be comforted. But it's also the longing. One of the chief features of Simeon's song is this longing, this aching, this desiring, years and years and years and years of waiting. This is a mark of a saint. They can wait. A saint can wait. They have learned that. Now, it is a hard day to wait, isn't it? I mean, you know, we have two-day shipping. I'm on Amazon Prime now. You know, I'm always on the cutting edge. That just came out, right? So Amazon Prime, you know, Amazon Prime, you know, I got that. And then I find out you can get the one-day delivery. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be like two-hour delivery. Pay a little bit more, right? We don't don't like to wait. We don't have to wait. Uh, There was an article in the Boston Globe that came out, and the title was, Instant Gratification Perpetually Results in Impatient People. The more we can get something, the less patient we become. And it did a study out of University of Massachusetts where it saw how long people would stay on uh, the Internet waiting for a video to load. And what they found of was two seconds. It was the average. Five seconds, 25% of the people were gone. Right? Uh-oh, someone's getting in trouble over here, right? 25% gone. Uh, you know, after 10 seconds, 50% of the people were gone. Now, can anybody remember when you used to have to wait for stuff? Yeah, I'm a little bit older, so I do. I remember back in the days when you would actually have to get the catalog, and you'd have to find the item, and you'd check it, and you'd circle it, you'd, you'd tear out the page. Then you'd have to fold the page. you have to go get an envelope. You'd get the envelope, and then you'd have to write down the address, and then stick the paper in the envelope, and lick the envelope, and close it, and get a stamp. I forgot stamps. I got away two days to get a stamp. You go get a stamp, you put it in the stamp, and then you have to go and put it in the post office box, and then you wait for three weeks, four weeks, until it comes back. Waiting. Do you remember that? It was a long time ago. But there's something that happens in the waiting. One is, uh, through the waiting, it sifts our decisions with wisdom. 
you know, many times impulsive decisions are bad decisions. Here I think about Esau in the Old Testament. Esau is the symbol of impulsiveness. He's the one that comes in. you got the brother Jacob and Esau. He comes in from hunting. He's so hungry. He sees some soup and he says, I will give up my blessing as a firstborn if you just give me some soup right now. I got to eat, right? And so people that can't wait find that their wisdom often goes. But second of all, it prioritizes our values. As we wait, we begin to figure out, what do I really need to be content? What do I really need to make me feel as a whole person here? For Simeon, notice what he says. It's just meeting the Messiah that leads him to say, I can die now. I can die now. Now, you know, think about what you might put in that slot. You know, I, I've met my 10-year goals. I can die now. I found that person I love. I, you know, many times, to be honest with you, I don't want Jesus to come back because I'm not ready for him to come back because there's still stuff I want to do, right? And it's not always righteous. I want to be a better guitar player. Don't come back yet, Lord. He's probably saying, you need to go to heaven so you will become a better guitar player. You know, or many things in my life, I think I'm not, it's because really I'm not content with the righteous longing. There's all these other things. And so Simeon's able to find out that those things are just the taste. C.S. Lewis has this great little quote that reminds us that the good gifts are really appetizers. This is what he says. The books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. You see, that's the thing. When, when you're beginning to understand this idea of who the comfort is for, you understand this world could never be enough to content me. Once you come to understand God and you understand who He has made you to be and the longings, you know, this is another thing C.S. Lewis says, we are far too easily pleased. We live beneath ourselves. We, you know, we shake our fist to God and go, why don't you let me have everything I want? You're a joy killer. He's going, you're living beneath yourself. I have longings you don't know of. And so the saints would say, I'm waiting for a city whose architect is God because even the best city, the coolest city, the most educated city, all these little things that Washington gets called, not going to be enough for me until I see a city of perfect justice, a city of healing, a city of perfect hope. You can fill in the blank. But lastly, this longing would be, it's a longing to know what our role is. Take note here. Now, this song, by the way, traditionally is called the Nunc Dimittis. It's a Latin word that talks about, I am now dismissed. And what Simeon says here is, now your servant can be dismissed. What Simeon comes to understand as he is waiting on the Messiah is his role was always to be a servant. It wasn't to be the one that led and ruled. And so this is just a beautiful way here. He says, now you're letting your servant be dismissed. And so who is the comfort for? That's who it's for, the righteous and the longing. But let me hear, hit this last uh, one, which is what is the consolation or the comfort all about? Three things. First of all, it's both personal and universal. I mean, on one hand, Simeon can say, my comfort. You're letting your servant. So yeah, God does care about your comfort. I read last week a psalm that said, you count my tossings in bed and you collect my tears in a bottle. 
Isn't that a beautiful image? The Lord of the Bible, the God of this scripture, counts the nights where you're just tossing and turning. Four, five, six, seven. Collects your tears in a bottle, even the tears that no one else has seen. It's personal comfort that the Lord brings to you and I. Amen? Amen. And in the second advent, in the book of Revelation, we're told that Jesus, as the, as the city of God and the people of God come together, there's proclamation that says, now every tear will be wiped away. Amen for that. But it's not just a personal comfort, because that's where an American individualistic church can stop them. You know, it's basically about my personal comfort. But he has a bigger view than this. He has, you have prepared, you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. He's talking about a comfort that actually goes across the earth that is relevant to all nations and all people groups, not just individual people. This is a comfort that the prophet Isaiah talked about where he says this child is too much of a gift just for one people group. This child is too much of a gift for one nation. You know, his salvation and his, his love and his mission is so great, it can only fill the Lord, fill the earth rather. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that means that God was just beginning. Simeon was able even to see that God was just beginning with Israel. Israel was to be God's model and their messenger. But he was just beginning there. Here we have the, you know, the, the mission of the Gentiles being talked about from Simeon. Later that the Apostle Paul would be the agent for, and it would spread all over the earth. But the Old Testament always talked about, and Jesus initiated when he said, go into all the earth and preach the gospel. And so... What we find at the second advent when Jesus Christ returns should be no surprise to us, and that is that in the middle of the city, the book of Revelation in heaven, you find a tree whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. Each people group has its own wounds. Each people group has its own pains and story and hurt. And God understands that leaves are needed for the healing of those wounds. Israel at that time had lost their land. They had lost their throne. They were living under the oppressive power of Rome. Their families had been torn apart. They had been scattered. They knew pain. They knew what it was like to be the minority culture in an oppressive majority culture. And Simeon gets a view that God will bring a comfort that goes to all. Because this word comfort is not just, it it basically is shalom. In the book of Luke's, In the book of Luke, there are two books of Luke, but he just has one name, the book of Luke. Comfort is God's intervening to redeem all things. That's what it's referring to when it talks about comfort. And so what we're talking about here is a society, again, of righteousness, of justice, of prosperity. When Jesus was on the earth, there were three years of a taste of that. When Jesus was on the earth, people had a chance to taste a little bit of it just so they might look forward to more of it. And when he rose from the dead and commissioned the church, do you understand what our call is to be? Those of you that are professing Christians here and call yourself to be part of the church, we are a reminder to the world that there's more to come. I mean, especially in this day and age where people would go, is there going to be any future like that, any prosperity? The church is to be the presence to say, yes, it's coming. It's the witness that the the light hasn't gone away. That's what our calling is before, that the second advent will be completed. So it's personal and universal. Second of all, it's also a comfort that is comfort and conflict together. 
the light not only uh, so the light not only brings comfort; it exposes, as we said. For Simeon, he understood the appearance of this child would cause conflict. Um, this child himself would be a point of conflict. He would. There's an image of a sword. He would divide nation. Jesus would go on to say he will divide actually parent from child sometimes, siblings from one another, marriages from one another. This child will come in and he will cause a conflict that we feel in our most personal relationships. He will cause a reversal in Israel. He will expose the inner thoughts and hearts of you and I. That's what the child does. Going back to the righteousness thing, he exposes what's deepest in our heart, what we will fight for, what we will kill for what we will cling to. And for many at that time in Israel, like in our day, they were living by a meritocracy. They weren't living by grace, but they were living by this idea that the ones who earn the merit are the ones that get to be in power and the ones that get get the comfort. Except that's not what you find in the gospel. As Russ will preach on on Mary's song, right? I mean, one of the themes you'll hear through that is that the humble, God has come again to the humble, and this is one of the things I love about, you know, the witness of the early church. We looked at the book of Acts and the chapter in chapter 4, I believe it is, where um, Peter and John had just been arrested for healing a layman. And it says this, when the religious leaders looked at Peter and John and saw they were unschooled, ordinary people, they were amazed. They couldn't figure it out. They're like, how in the world did these people that aren't part of the meritocracy that don't have the expertise, the people that don't have, how in the world can they be God's agents? It caused conflict. It causes conflict in our day. And so he will come, and he will be the one that brings in the comfort that you and I need in that place. But what it also says in his words to Mary, Simeon says to Mary, this child will not only call the rising and falling of many, but he will pierce your heart too. Those that love Christ those that hold this Christ precious will ache, will ache when his witness is besmirched. They will look at their own lives and learn to mourn over their own sin about the way that his witness is besmirched or the way that his righteous values are besmirched in a city. They will ache and long after that. But lastly, it's going to be revelation and glory. That's what the comfort is about. We're told it'll be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. For the nations, the child would be a revelation, a light, something new, where they would come to understand God's comfort in a new way. They would get to get in on what the angels saw. <laughs> you know, when, when the Holy Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Spirit were conferring, when they were talking about how will we meet the comfort of God's people, And that the plan is that the Son of God Himself would come. The Son of God Himself would come and take flesh. You have to imagine at that point the angels just gasped. That God at that point Himself would come and leave His place of glory. He would humble Himself, come and take on flesh, get dirty with us, take the worst rejection you can imagine, be hated and betrayed, be hoisted up on a cross, an instrument of shame. He would be cursed and set outside the city. That He would suffer immense pain, that He would suffer eternal hell pain. So that sinful people could be comforted. So people that normally wouldn't give a thought to it, 
that he would redeem them even before they knew what was going on, before they ever had any true affection for him, any true thank you for it. Just think about it. Any given day, I think about my life, how often I just live with ingratitude. That He would come before they knew it. And that the Gentiles begin to see that. Those that were on the outside, those that were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel would find that they had been brought in. Paul would actually say that the mystery of the gospel is this, the cross-cultural bringing together of the nations for God. The mystery of the gospel. But the second thing, for the nations it would be revelation. And maybe for you this morning, maybe Advent will be revelation for you because you will come to know that Christ for the first time. Or maybe you will come to know him in a new way. But for Israel, it will be glory of a job accomplished. It will be joy, glory of a job accomplished. As I mentioned, Israel was commissioned not just to be a model, but to be a messenger. But like us, they had stumbled and faltered in that role. They had not completed that mission. But what does God do? He sends the second Adam, he sends the you know, epitome of the man of Israel to come, the Messiah himself. And through his death and through his work, the mission goes forward. And all those that are part of him are included in the mission. And this is crazy. When we get to heaven, God will congratulate us on job well done. He will say, great job completing the mission. Why can he say that? Because the spirit of the Messiah lives in his people. And so a glory of a job well done will be spoken to those that are part of the new Israel. What I'm saying, church, is you will accomplish your mission. You will accomplish it. Don't ever wake up and think, it's, oh, are we going to be able to get this? You will get it done because His Spirit lives in you. And so Simeon brings us comfort and it, on a level that, you know, Many of the Christmas decorations and commercials in Santa aren't going to talk to you about. Uh, the gospel will tell you about it. And that's what we're given this morning to think about, this morning to praise him for as we enter into Advent. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for the comfort that you bring us. Thank you that uh, you have sent him. You have not withheld him. We pray that every heart would be open to receiving him this morning. In Christ's name, amen.